You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 231 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing on this fine Saturday? Good afternoon, sir. I'm doing well. I hope everyone out there is doing really well. Um we got a really good show for you today. We've got a, we've got a special guest. Uh, we're going to talk about Marty St. Louis. We're going to talk about rebuilding teams. We're going to compare with a, another team uh, who is also rebuilding. And, um, and lots and lots and lots of news uh, coming up. It's, it's going to be great. Not to forget, we also have a very special quote coming from everyone's favorite coach, John Tortorella. So you're <laughs> going to want to stick around for that. Uh, the first segment, uh, we'll recap this past week in uh, Montreal Canadiens land, including Habs prospects uh, in segment two. We're going to manage everyone's expectations uh, leading up to the trade deadline. And like you said, uh, we have a feature interview with uh, Bill Meltzer, contributor to Flyers.com. Uh, Amy Johnson's also going to step in for that, so you will not want to miss it. And in segment three, of course, it's a have your say segment. Uh, the Canadians Connection question of the week. Do you think that Kent Hughes will still make a splash at the NHL trade deadline? We want to hear from you. And Rick, what is the best way for people to reach out and let us know? The best way, the quickest way is the Rocket Sports text line that we've set up specially for you. Uh, it's easy to remember. It's 585-3-ROCKET. Spell it out on your phone, 5853-ROCKET. Send us a message. Send us a text. you have a little bit more to say, you can send us an email at info at allhabs.net. So this past week, uh, the Montreal Canadiens played four different games. So make sure that you check out all our comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at allhabs.net. Going all the way back to February the 11th, Montreal pulls out an overtime win against the Islanders 4-3, and the curse of the reverse retro jerseys <laughs> comes to an end, finally. A bit of a sloppy matinee from both teams, uh, but it's Mike Matheson who joins the rush and scores the winner in overtime. Speaking of quotes, it was Marty St. Louis after the game 
who said, quote, I don't know what next year will bring, but I hope it's not those jerseys. So I'm not a fan <laughs> of the reverse retro either. And the very next day, as it was a back-to-back, Edmonton strolls into Montreal, and they absolutely lay over. Montreal takes advantage, goes 6-2 to two for the win. Uh, I don't know what the Oilers were doing. Uh, maybe they were just taking a little nap there. Uh, the Habs PK held them uh, to one for six, and the Habs had six different goal scorers. Jake Allen for the win. Nice little game there on a Sunday. And the Oilers came in uh, sporting a 9-0-2 record in their last uh, their previous 11 games. Um, who who would have thunk it, right? Uh, Jordan Harris, the offensive star with two goals in this game. And a couple days later on the 14th, uh, Chicago rolls into town and uh, they also decide to take a little layover. I guess Chicago is going uh, full uh, tank for Bedard right now. Montreal takes advantage four to nothing. Jake Allen with the shutout. So that's three games in a row. That's a winning streak. Um, you know, for Canadians fans who want uh, the team to tank to the bottom, um, you, you really haven't considered Chicago. My goodness, that's a, that's a rough looking team. Uh, They didn't look very good at all uh, on Tuesday night. And then on Thursday the 16th, uh, Montreal, their winning streak comes to an end. Carol, They go into Carolina and lose 6-2. to two. Uh, They did their best to keep it close, uh, at least score-wise in the first two periods, but the Canes come out and they cave in the Montreal Canadiens, scoring four goals in the third. Uh, Seth Jarvis gets the hat-trick, including a shorthanded goal. Um, for this, again, we'll go back to Marty St. Louis. Um, he said, uh, you know, to, to, to measure yourself, uh, it, every once in a while you have to play against one of these teams, um, and uh, th- they'll tell you what level you need to reach because this is a really good team, and we have a lot of steps to get to where they're at. <laughs> So the Canadians' record after this week is 23-28-4. That's 50 points and 26 in the NHL, so still right near the bottom. Uh, Make sure you uh, check out Habs Notepad and Habs Features as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net. Taking a look at our roster news, uh, we do have some injury updates. Uh, Caden Gooley, he continues to skate on his own. Uh, He appears to be uh, slowly progressing forward. Uh, Nice to see that he's skating, though. Yeah, he's still a ways away, uh, not to get too excited yet, but uh, good to see that he's back on the ice and has started that part of his rehab. Sean Monahan practiced with teammates in a non-contact jersey on Thursday. He's now played since December the 5th, and uh, man, uh, I really hope this guy can get healthy soon uh, and display what he can do leading up to that trade deadline. He was back in that non-contact jersey on Saturday for the game day skate. He skated on his own on Friday, uh, that's all good news. Um, the, the quote from Marty St. Louis about uh, the progress of uh, Sean Monaghan was a little odd. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, we're not even sure. <laughs> we talked about a, a pre-show. We're not even sure what it means necessarily. Uh, quote, honestly, he's kind of plateaued and we'll see what next week brings, end quote. Um, so that, that's not very positive about Sean Monaghan. Of course, Sean Monaghan, um, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later about, uh, one of the important trade chips that Ken Hughes has and, uh, trade deadlines less than two weeks away. So not great news on that front. 
Yeah, not a great quote coming from uh, Martin St. Louis. Uh, I bet that uh, Ken Hughes is hearing that and thinking, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to give uh, Martin St. Louis some uh, PR lessons or something to <laughs> improve his injury updates a little bit. Uh, Arbor Jacquey was injured in a fight against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he was placed on IR with an upper body injury. Uh, he's probably going to meet with a specialist in the coming days. Yeah, a fight against Edmonton, uh, against DeHarnay. And no, that was not five foot six David DeHarnay. That was a, a much bigger DeHarnay, Vincent. And um, and and yeah, it it didn't look um, it didn't look good. Felt bad for um, for Jack. As he left the ice, he he held his shoulder, and and um, um, he'll be seeing the doctors. Uh, and we'll we'll get an update on that uh, by sh- uh, for sure by uh, next week's show. Kirby Doc missed Thursday's game due to a non-COVID illness. Uh, Pitlick drew into the lineup in his place. Uh, looks like he'll be out again on Saturday. Um, he showed up at practice Saturday morning, or at least the game, game day skate. Um, was on the ice, uh, didn't participate in any drills, and then quickly left the ice and took his sticks with him. Um, so missed the, uh, the game against Carolina and man, was he missed, um, um, didn't realize what he contributes. Some don't realize what he contributes, uh, to the lineup until he was out, but he'll miss the, the game against the Leafs as well, um, with, uh, what's being called an illness. And boy, this defense core is taking a bit of a hit. Justin Barron was injured in the game against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, looked like a bit of an awkward play. Hopefully he can come back soon. Yeah, he crashed into the boards awkwardly. And, and it was that morning skate uh, on Saturday. And uh, looks like he's going to try to go uh, in the game against the Leafs. But Corey Schooneman uh, was recalled from the Laval Rocket. Uh, we got a nice look at him last year. He had a brief NHL stint, and he looked pretty good. So um, do you think he's going to get into the lineup tonight? I think he will be in the lineup tonight. Uh, Schooneman, as you said, looked pretty comfortable um, last last season. Uh, you know who wasn't looking very comfortable? That was uh, Mr. Chris Weidman. Uh, he mm. had a rough game <laughs> against Carolina. It looks like he'll be the healthy scratch against the Leafs. So then that brings us to a point uh, where we're going to bring back an old segment that we used to do on this podcast. Uh, it's entitled Winners and Losers. So Rick and I are each going to pick a winner and a loser from the past week. And uh, we're not going to limit it just to Montreal Canadiens or Montreal Canadiens related things. Uh, let's start things off with the loser. And uh, Rick, it seems like you have a bit of a stinger here for your loser. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers. On the Canadians Connection, we wouldn't want to miss the, the opportunity to uh, to involve Amy in, and why not when you have a professional voice over artist on on staff? Um, my loser this week, um, my goodness, Alan Walsh is is I, I I at this point I don't care what kind of agent he, player agent he is. He's just a terrible human being, and um, and so he gets my my loser of the week. Um, he just threw a, a, a hand grenade into uh, the Calgary Flames um, um, dressing room and um, basically insinuating that his his client uh, Jonathan Uberdo was up uh, was. Uh, Upset with the with the coach, with the management, with his teammates, 
Um, I'm not even going to read his quote because uh, I'm, I'm just not uh, to give him that credit. And it, it left Jonathan Huberdeau um, saying, um, hey, I didn't know he was going to do that. Kind of sounds, remember when Marc-Andre Fleury had to say, I didn't know he was going to do that? Um, Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't know he was going to do that. It's not my feelings um, at all. Uh, we have a really great group. I love being here. And then, uh, you know, it went to Sutter. It went to every every player was asked, well, what do you think? Is there a rift in the, the room? All this. It's not, it's not um, the role of a player agent. And he really, Alan Walsh really stepped in it this week. And uh, my loser, well, it's the entire uh, New York Islanders organization losing three straight games to non-playoff teams, including Montreal and Ottawa. Uh, the streak did come to an end with a win against Pittsburgh. But, hey, they w- recently went out and got themselves a nice big fish in Bo Horvat, and uh, they currently hold down uh, the final wild card spot by only by one point. I have a feeling that those uh, three losses are going to come back to bite them here because that wild card race is wide open for the taking. Yeah. They could have gained some ground, and they just did not. So they're only uh, one point ahead of the next guy, and uh, real, you, you have to hope that they have a little bit of luck going in ne- into next week. So the New York Islanders are my loser. Nice pick. Uh, yeah. Rick, I think we have a couple of goalies as our winners. I'll uh, defer to you to start with your winner for this week. I'm going to let you take this one because um, I, I, I had a few to pick from. Um, there was Ripkin the back dog. I really like Ripkin the back dog. <laughs> and if you haven't seen the videos of him high-fiving the Carolina uh, Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals, uh, he's he's tremendous. Great puppy. You want a, that kind of dog. Uh, look for <laughs> he has his own he has his own Twitter account, Ripkin the bat dog. Uh, look for it. Uh, there, Carrie Fraser almost made my list. Yes, a referee almost made my list, but uh, uh, I couldn't pass on on the person that that I ended up choosing. But since I went first last time, I'm gonna let you go first this time. Okay. Well, I went with Jake Allen. Uh, Jake Allen got a shutout this past week, and uh, he also won a game against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, was not scored on by Connor McDavid, so hey, I, I think that's uh, full credit to Jake Allen. Put some respect to his name. I know that uh, some fans and media have been uh, pretty down on Jake as of uh, recently, but you know what? He came out, he had a pretty good week here, and uh, I, I like what I saw from him, so I'm going to go with Jake Allen. I think it's a great pick because uh, he did, and, and and you know there's a lot of folks talking and pumping the tires of, of Sam Montembeau. Sam didn't have a great week. Jake did, um, and to get the first shutout of, uh, of the season, um, whether he had to work really, really hard for it or not is irrelevant. Um, I, I thought he had a really solid week um, and uh, and is a good pick there. And, and yes, I'm going to pick a goaltender as well. Um, and he is a Carey Price. Um, Carey Price, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago that um, just just the generosity um, uh, of, a, of Carey Price and there was um, a, a Cree woman who was who was suffering from brain cancer, and and he uh, sat down for a video call with her. Uh, that was that was uh, several weeks back. Uh, well, this week, um, uh, a young man, seventeen years old, by the name of Justin Dinazar, Dinazar. Um, a man by the name of Justin D. 
Narzo, uh, 17 years old, has stage four colon cancer. Um, Carrie Price took him out for lunch. Uh, yeah, great story there. Carrie still involved in that community. It's awesome to see. Really involved. Um, just took this this young Quebecer, young man, out for for lunch. Uh, they went to a uh, a Greek place, and uh, and the two of them had had lunch together. And it was uh, uh, just before uh, Justin went in for uh, some surgery. Um, and the the other part of the story that I think is fascinating is this is the second time Carrie Price has reached out to this young man. In early December, um, Carrie and Angela uh, put up the, the Christmas decorations, and then they invited Justin and his dad over to their home. Um, they, they Carrie signed a bunch of memorabilia for, for Justin, and and there he was on his Instagram. He's, he's pictured in uh, the Price home. Um, and, uh, and, and spent some time. Also, um, uh, Justin was part of the Lucan night, November 19th, um, at the Bell Center and, and Kirby Dot got to, uh, spend some time with Justin. So, um, this is just a really nice story. Carrie Price staying involved with, with fans, reaching out to them and, and really making, uh, really making more than one day, uh, for this uh, young man who's going through a really tough time. Yeah, I like that pick for your winner. Uh, like I said, a couple of goalies as winners this week. Uh, uh, one uh, more based on his play and the other uh, just for his involvement in the community. I think uh, Carey Price will always be a winner within this community for sure. For sure. So now I think it's a good time to get to our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So we'll touch base on uh, Habs prospects in the AHL, CHL, and NCAA, uh, maybe even some other leagues. We'll see. Uh, so starting off, we'll go to the AHL. Their uh, AHL affiliate, the Laval Rocket, had a couple of games this past week, starting back on February the 11th. Utica comes to town, and Laval has an absolute offensive explosion, winning 6-2. to two. Three shorthanded goals, two power play goals. So I guess special teams really worked out for them in that one. And they had a little bit of a lengthy break. They didn't get their next game until the 17th when they strolled into Belleville. And uh, it was quite the opposite. Uh, Belleville gets five. Laval gets three. Uh, the score was close until the third period uh, when the b scored three. Laval scored one. But their last uh, goal came within the final few minutes of the period. So did not really lead to anything. Uh, the Laval Rockets record currently 20-26-2. That's 23rd in the AHL. That uh, the game against Belleville, it uh, these are two teams who play a lot, play each other, see each other a lot during the season. Uh, they don't like each other. They have a history of not liking each other. And it was just uh, three less than three minutes into the game um, when there was uh, there was a fight, um, and it was <laughs> it was feisty throughout. And I expect that that's going to continue because as you're going to tell us. Uh, they're going to see uh, Belleville a couple more times this weekend. But um, as always, we kept an eye on Caden Primo. He had a shaky night in net, uh, made some goaltending, um, uh, some uh, puck handling uh, mistakes and uh, that led to goals. It, it was just uh, uh, a rough night for, um, for Caden Primo. 
But uh, yeah, a couple more games coming up against Belleville. We're going to make it three straight. Uh, they're going to face off on the 18th of February and then again on the 20th. All the games happening in Belleville. So I'm going to imagine more fights are coming. You said uh, <laughs> about three minutes in, you had your first uh, yeah, fight in that yeah. last game. I'm going to say by the end of this, it's going to be about 10 seconds in before you get your first <laughs> fight. And uh, they're going to head off to Rochester on the 24th. Another team that they play quite often that they really hate. So I think it's going to be a bloodbath of a week, eh? Uh, should be, yeah. If if you're looking for that kind of feisty play, uh, <laughs> tune in to, to uh, uh, Belleville and Laval. So we're going to head off to the CHL and check in on the Habs scoring uh, race in the CHL. Starting things off in first place, it's held down by Riley Kidney still. Uh, he has had a wonderful time since being traded from Acadie Bathurst to Gatineau. Uh, right now, his points total is 74 points in 44 games. I really love these CHL <laughs> point totals. They can get, just get absolutely crazy when the players are good. Uh, since arriving in Gatineau, he has 29 points in 20 games. Not too shabby there. Uh, in our second place, it's Jared Davidson with the Seattle Thunderbirds. 69 points in 47 games and uh, not too far behind him, uh, Joshua Waugh, who has played the fewest amount of games out of these three because he joined the World Juniors. 66 points in 40 games, so three guys that you're going to want to keep your eyes on. And for me, too, the point totals are great. The plus-minus is is crazy. Uh, Riley Kidney at plus 18, Jared Davidson plus 32, Joshua Waugh plus 46 uh, in 40 games. So uh, it, it's um, I, the other player I'm going to mention here this week, uh, Philippe Machar, um, who may be further down uh, the list in terms of the scoring race, um, but he's had four goals and seven points in his last five games, so maybe heating up there. Yeah, he's about a point per game since being traded to the Kitchener Rangers, 36 and 36. So I'd say he's having a good time there as well. But uh, there is a non-Habs prospect that uh, we're going to talk about a little bit here. And Zachary Lure, he is in the QMJHL and... Am I reading this right? He attacked a fan with a stick? Like, what's going on? Coming off the ice, he speared a fan uh, with his stick. Um, uh, it's, it's bizarre. Um, Zach has, Zachary's he's, he's had an interesting uh, career in, in the queue. Um, remember, this is a first-round pick, 27th overall in the 2021 um uh, NHL entry draft, and um, he's now been suspended uh, nine times uh, by the Q. Uh, this last time for 10 games, I think, uh, if I have my totals c- correct, it's around 38 games that he's been uh, suspended. Um, this was this was a, a 16-year-old fan, um, a young boy sitting, um, and as he came off the ice, uh, Zach speared him. Um, it, 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 uh, an ugly incident, and and if you see it, it, it just passes all understanding of of why he would do something like this. But there's that history. Um, why are we bringing it up here? Is is because we remember that uh, the that that number twenty seven pick was held by the Carolina Hurricanes, and they had made it known uh, that they were willing to trade it away. And um, we heard from everybody and their dog in the Montreal media 
that uh, the Montreal Canadiens, who had the 31 pick, had to trade up and get this guy, had to get Zachary LaRue, um, that that he was he he played with an edge he certainly does uh played with an edge that uh, he could score he was physical he had all the attributes that they wanted um and they were advocating that the Canadians uh, as it was Nashville uh traded with Carolina sent two second round picks uh for this first round pick but my goodness um Canadians dodged a bullet there because I don't I don't see this young man uh, going anywhere fast uh, with with his suspension record. Yeah, and just an ugly replay of this. I took a I took a few watches of what happens. This isn't just a single moment of rage or an accident. This was a fully calculated move on his part. You can really see him just almost stop and target one specific uh, guy with his stick. Uh, the video I saw, not a great angle, but uh, yeah, definitely not a good look for Zachary. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our NCAA news, uh, we'll take a look at our uh, perhaps prospects in there, and it seems like Sean Farrell had quite the week. Uh, if you remember last week, I was talking about how Sean Farrell and Lane Hudson were tied for points. Well, Sean Farrell has jumped ahead almost by 10. He's sitting at uh, 43 points in uh, 26 games, whereas Lane Hudson in uh, 28 games, he has 36 points. So quite the week for Sean Farrell, no? Uh, it was, and as such, he was named the ECAC Forward of the Week. Uh, that's Sean Farrell, uh, and and deservedly so. Um, he had a great week. Yeah, and uh, the Northeastern University Huskies beat the Harvard Crimson in the final of the 2023 Bean, Bean, Beanpot Tournament. Uh, so that's a good one there. And uh, today, for those who like outdoor games, uh, well, the face-off on the lake will be held uh, on February the 28th. Uh, out, it's an outdoor college game, Ohio versus Michigan at the Cleveland Browns football stadium. So that's pretty cool. And uh, none other than Jakob Dobis will be involved for that, uh, the Czech goal goaltender uh, playing for Ohio uh, he's had a pretty great year as well seeing in a 0.917 goals or uh, save percentage so getting back to uh, the bean pot uh, that was yes Northeastern University and um, uh, facing uh, Harvard uh, two Canadians prospects in that Sean Farrell who we we're just talking about plays for Harvard Northeastern it's Jaden Struble and uh, Northeastern won that championship or the the tournament uh, with a 3-2 uh, shootout win at uh, the, at the TD Garden. Uh, Jaden Struble is a name we've mentioned, and, and, and Sean Farrell as well. Sean Farrell, uh, Kent Hughes uh, had hoped to bring, uh, still hopes to bring to the Canadians uh, at the end of the season. Uh, face off on the lake, uh, you're right, um, uh, the Cleveland Brown Stadium, that's uh, today as, as we uh, record, February 18th. Um, Ohio State, you mentioned him, uh, Jakob Dobas, uh, Michigan Wolverines, you have that stack team, Luke Hughes, Adam Fentilli, that, oh, the Montreal Canadiens would love to get uh, their hands on on him at the draft, Rutger McGordy, uh, first-round pick from last year, and... Frank Nazar. Um, Frank Nazar was has been injured all season long. He made his debut for Michigan uh, this past week um, and scored his first goal. Nazar was the 13th overall pick in the 2022 NHL entry draft. Why do we know that 13th overall pick? Oh, because that's the pick 
that the Canadians got from the Islanders in trading Romanov, and they then flipped that 13th overall pick to Chicago for Kirby Dock. So those two players, Kirby Dock and Frank Nazar, are always going to be tied together, and uh, we'll watch the progress of both of those. So be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. Also listen to and subscribe to The Press Zone to, to stay up to date with everything Laval Rocket and Montreal Canadiens prospects. Uh, it comes out every Tuesday, hosted by Amy Johnson, Patrick Williams, and you get some Rick Stevens in there as well. So our long-awaited quote of the week comes from John Tortorella. Uh, the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers uh, had a bit of a taste, what is it, a testy exchange uh, mm-hmm. with a reporter, we'll say. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers lost 6-2 to two to the Kraken in Seattle. Not a great game, and uh, here's what he had to say. You guys, you, you don't need me for the stories tonight. Well, Pretty I guess... Got your no, not really, because we don't know, I guess, what you were saying in the room, what the plan was. Well, I'm not going to, it doesn't do me any good to tell you what's going on in the room right now. Why would it do us any good? Because that stuff that we have to figure out in the room belongs in the room. So you're going to have to kind of go with yourself here as far as what you want. It's pretty self-explanatory what you saw out there, so you really don't need my comments. So I guess what would you tell the fans? I'm not too concerned about the fans right now. I'm con- concerned about the hockey team. I'm, I'm not going to give you any Don't you get it? It's, there's no sense in me giving you information. I am not going to talk about my hockey team after a performance like this. It doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do the team any good. That, those are the people I'm most concerned about. So fascinating. Uh, let's start with the fact that it's it's uh, post-game locker rooms are very noisy. Um, that's what happens when you're in a reporter scrum. A lot of the time, particularly when you're on the road, when you don't have your own facilities, you don't have your own podium to go up. Uh, there's just a, a scrum around the, the head coach and it's and you know, equipment staff are, are moving things around and players are getting changed. It's noisy as anything. So we apologize for um, that audio, but that's that gives you the experience. Um, why are we playing John Tor- Tortorella uh, audio? Well, one, it's entertaining. It's always entertaining for sure. Um, but also because um, John Tortorella and the Philadelphia Flyers are kind of a theme and how they are connected to the Montreal Canadiens uh, in this show. John Tortorella is a mentor um, to uh, uh, Marty St. Louis. Um, Marty St. Louis, um, as he was dri- after he accepted the position, as he was driving to Montreal before his, his press conference, before his first speech to the team, he spent the drive from Connecticut to Montreal on the phone with John Tortorella. Of course, he... he uh, played a, a briefly even a played for Tortorella. He um, he briefly uh, coached. He had a, a skills position with Columbus, um, and John Tortorella John Tortorella brought him in uh, as a skills coach uh, for a few months. Uh, they have a very close connection. And if you want to know about Marty St. Louis, uh, you should find out a little bit more about John Tortorella. Um, now, before everybody gets too excited and says, oh, he's, he's there goes Tortorella again. He's so mean. He's so this. He's so rude. He's mm-hmm. so... Um, if you listen to him, if you really listen to him, 
he was just being honest. Um, his first priority is is not to the media. And, and uh, surprise, surprise, his first uh, uh, priority is not to fans. And it shouldn't be. It isn't. His first priority is to his team, to his players. And they played an awful game in Seattle on Thursday. Uh, they just weren't in it. They were outshot 11-1 to 1 in the first period. Uh, and they never really got back until... Um, Van Riemsdyk, mm, Konechny, sorry, I think it was uh, got uh, two late goals. Um, but they, they weren't in the game at all. And here was a reporter wanting their story to be written for them. They wanted a big blow up from John Tortorella. Uh, he, they wanted him to criticize his players, his the performance of his team, to pick up. They wanted him to reveal oh, what was said um in in probably a, a a very emotional locker room, and he said very calmly, "I'm not going to give you what you want. You're going to have to go. You watched it. It was pretty evident what was on the ice. Go write your story. Um, you, you got this. Uh, you don't need need me to to add on to this. Um, and and I really respect if if that's what Marty Saint Louis." takes from John Tortorella, um, I'd be happy all day long, even though it, it doesn't make things easy for uh, for reporters. He's prioritizing his players first. He's protecting his players. Um, and, and, and you know, I guess I have a different feeling that, than many. I've, I've been in a million of those scrums. Um, and for the most part, it's just... You know, there there are a lot of reporters out there who are lazy. They just want to go to a media scrum, get push the button, let the the coach dance, get the quotes, and their stories written for them. That's not how it's supposed to go. And and um, you know, a lot of times those press conferences, the they're just cliche, and and nothing comes out, nothing terribly profound comes out of them unless there's a blow up. And if you're going there looking for that, if you're going there looking uh, a gotcha moment uh, on the coach, uh, then you probably should move along. Uh, you probably don't belong in the business um, because you're not going to tell an honest story. Um, and 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 the league needs more honest uh, reporters. Um, you know, there was one time, and I've told this story before, there was one time that... It was on the road. There wasn't many people there. Um, and a head coach, after a really bitter loss, it was a really heartbreaking, heart gut-wrenching loss, um, came by to the, to the scrum and, and waved and just put his head down and waved, waved uh, the reporters off. Um, and, you know, you heard some grumbling. Um, and I was like, I get it. I get it. Um, and he went into the room, probably got fined. Um, and the assistant GM came by later and said, listen, this was, he, he just, he didn't want to say anything. He didn't want to say anything that was going to, you know, cause problems for the team, for himself, for his players. Um, he just couldn't do it. Um, but listen, whatever you want, anything you want, I'll talk to you. Um, let's talk tomorrow morning. He'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Um, and, and I get it. I, I understood it. I appreciated, it. I respected it. Um, and I, I think that's what was going on here. And again, um, 
if you if you see this superficially, it's just oh another Tortorella explosion. But if you if you look a little bit deeper, um, he was being really honest uh, with the reporters, and the reporters that that know what's going on would would get that. And if that's what we get from Marty St. Louis, I'm in I'm in for that all day long. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that this could be something used to protect the players. I think that's kind of an underrated thing here. We talk about Philadelphia just lost 6-2. to two. We're not talking about who had a bad game and who was terrible. No, we're talking about the thing that John Tortorella did in the postgame. So that certainly draws the attention away from the players, and I think that's a good way to protect them a little bit. Absolutely. So we have some uh, hockey news from around the league. Last week, uh, we teased that uh, Marty Walsh was going to be named the executive director of the NHLPA. And this week, we can make that official. They wanted him. They got him. Uh, the the NHLPA uh, announced uh, officially that, that um, Marty uh, Walsh is the new executive director. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, more of a, a record as a politician and, 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 and not a very successful one um, and, and some odd connections with, uh, with some folks in the NHL and the ownership. Um, we'll just have to see how this plays out. It's at a critical time for the players, though, so um, there's pretty high expectations uh, with Marty Walsh coming in. And uh, interesting note here, uh, Connor McDavid reached 100 points for the season, and it's it's February. There's still plenty of hockey to go, and he's already got 100 points. So that's that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Game 56, game 56, he re- reached uh, the 100 point. Uh, congratulations, and and yes, he plays for for Edmonton, uh, but a real real special talent. And he did not score on Jake Allen in the last <laughs> game. So, uh, anyways, uh, moving along, uh, ESPN uh, put out a survey to NHL players and executives, and they chose uh, the top 10 goaltenders in the NHL. I'll give you a quick top three here. Number one, Vasilevsky. Two, Shesterkin. Uh, number three, Connor Hellebuck. And uh, the only Canadian goaltender that made the list uh, coming in right at the end, number 10, was Carter Hart. Um, interesting when they do this, and this, this isn't ESPN, this isn't Greg Wyshynski, um, um, by their description, um, they asked, uh, 10, 10 hockey ops folks, uh, which, which could be a coach, could be a GM, could be assistant GM, um, to vote for their, uh, top 10 goaltenders. They also invited 10 players. Uh, so this group of 20, these, this, uh, 20 surveys, um, were done anonymously and and submitted, and then they they compiled the list. Um, very interesting, and and um, yeah, and I, I think you know that you can argue with a position or two, but um, uh, Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, uh, Sorokin, um, Halibut, um I like Jake Ettinger a lot, and probably the the one guy on this list who is is young and upcoming and, and is headed uh, higher in this list. Uh, then then the, the bottom five, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of room here for young goaltenders to, uh, to crack this list. Um, Jacob Markstrom, um, Linus Allmark, at, you know, at 29, is he suddenly making a breakthrough or is it the Boston Bruins? Uh, John Gibson, my goodness, what is John Gibson doing on this list? <laughs> um, so I think, I think, um, 
I, I think this gives young goaltenders, you know, an Askarov or, um, you know, Nico Dahl, any number of young goaltenders who are, are coming up. I, th- I think there's a, a lot of hope for, f- because there's, there's position, there's an opening to be filled here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think part of that too, maybe has to do with uh, some injuries uh, in there. Of course, uh, Carey Price has not mm-hmm. been able to play mm-hmm. the last two years. So that's a bra- pretty big hole in there. So we'll see. Uh, you hope that uh, there can be some good uh, goaltending talent. Uh, I would love to see some more Canadian goaltenders uh, take a step and get into that top 10 as well. For sure. And, of course, the trade deadline not too far away. And uh, Jacob Chikrin and Vladislav Gavrikov have been scratched uh, for the past little while due to trade-related reasons. So when is this going to end? I feel like the Jacob Chikrin rumors have been around for, like, a decade at this point. Uh, We've been talking about Gavrikov since the beginning of the season. When are we going to see a breakthrough in uh, terms of defense trades? Yeah, I know it's um, you know it's rubbed people some, uh, the wrong way, uh, some people, and and um, and you know, oh, there's going to be talk about this uh, the next general manager meeting. I, I I hope they don't put any kind of no. uh, clamps on this. W- why wouldn't you? Why why wouldn't you protect your asset? Um, and and look at look at what what's happened to the Canadians um, and and their their big chips, and we'll talk about it more later. Uh, the the injury risk uh, there, so you understand why teams would would uh, try and protect um, those assets until and 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 uh, is Chikrin you know uh, going to be traded tomorrow? Maybe not, but but I understand why they take them out of the lineup to make sure there's uh, uh, no chance of injury. And uh, I think an underrated part of this well is that uh, seems to help out the tank a little bit too, scratching a pretty Indeed. good player. So uh, I can see why teams would do that. But there was a pretty big trade that uh, came in very late last night on uh, Friday the 17th. And uh, Toronto, they acquired Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Mikhail Abramov. Adam Gaudet, a 2023 first round pick, a 2023 third round pick, a 2024 second round pick. And well, Minnesota got involved in this trade as well. They received a fourth round pick and uh, would St. Louis would retain 50%. Well, Minnesota, what they're going to do is they're going to retain 25% and take, on an al- and take on an asset in exchange. It also looks like the Leafs are taking on Josh Pilar from the Minnesota Wild to complete that three-way trade. So it's a bit of a blockbuster. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, a former Conn Smythe winner, former Stanley Cup winner. That's a pretty big uh, piece off the table. Uh, Does he help out the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I I don't know. He's not had a great season so far, but he's also on a very bad team. I guess we'll see. I'm making maybe a parallel to when... uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Nick Foligno. That one didn't go so well. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But that's a pretty big name that comes off the board. And and as you said, it happened quite late. Uh, John Tavares was in bed. He didn't find out till uh, this morning um, uh, that uh, his team had gone out and and uh, gotten him a winger. Um, it looks like uh, O'Reilly and and O'Reilly and Achari will be in the lineup against the Montreal Canadiens on si- uh, on Saturday night. Uh, Achari um, <laughs> centering the fourth line, uh, O'Reilly with uh, Mitch Marner and John Tavares. So 
Um, you know, I, I know that um, because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, we, we might like to downplay this, but make no mistake, this was a blockbuster. Yeah. And if you are a Leafs fan, uh, for a second, Canadians fans, put yourself in the shoes. Whether, whether uh, you know, uh, who's to say whether this is going to put them over? Who's to say whether he's going to have an impact? But this is what you want your general manager to do. This is what... Uh, you'd you'd rather than hearing a Mark Bergevin saying trades are hard and repeating <laughs> that, uh, you have a general manager who has been who was incredibly creative putting this together. A two person a two team trade is difficult. A three team trade is is really difficult. Um, they got around their their cap issue, uh, only having to 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 pay a prorated 1.875 million for um, a Ryan O'Reilly. You do that all day long involving <laughs> Minnesota to take on 25% of his salary uh, and, and uh, exchanging some assets there uh, and getting St. Louis to take 50%. All that aside, um, St. Louis did amazing. This is a boatload of, of talent. And don't look now, they're talking about Canadians having three first round picks. Not yet, but St. Louis Blues have three first-round picks. So um, great work by uh, these three general managers. Again, am I am I cheering for, for Toronto to be better? <laughs> no, but um, if you're a fan of these teams, this this is the kind of creativity and aggressiveness that you want to see at the, at the trade deadline. Yeah, and uh, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you you don't give up a roster player. You don't give up uh, any current players that are important. Uh, if this trade works out for you down the line, uh, I don't think you're looking back and thinking, oh, I regret giving up that first round pick. Oh, I regret giving up Adam Gaudet, who's been playing with the Marlies. Uh, you give off some assets. Yes, it's a steep cost, but you know what? You get, <laughs> like I said, a consummate winner, Ryan O'Reilly. That's a huge deal. And let's 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 add to that. And I, I know there's there's uh, the concern, but guys, hey guys, what about the Toronto defense? Yep, um, yep. <laughs> uh, we we expect that there'll be a move there too. What about the goaltending? Yep. Um, I don't know that they'll be able to upgrade their goaltending. I think they're just going to have to improve the team around uh, their goaltending. Uh, but we're, we're not saying this is the right player. This is the this is the solution. We're not saying that, that the Leafs are getting to the second round uh, this year, but um, nicely done by all the general managers. Uh, if if we if if we try to be objective about this whole thing, yeah, for sure. And it's not like Toronto didn't need another four. They certainly had a hole to fill, and they went out and I think they filled it pretty well. So credit to Kyle Dubas for being able to put that together. I think all the teams involved are going to benefit. So we'll uh, talk a little bit more about that uh, NHL trade deadline and uh, some trades that we could see coming up in the next segment. But first here, we're going to hear a message from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5.00 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today 
opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Whether you're a fan of the Sixers, the Raptors, the Cavs, the Lakers, the Celtics, whatever your team is, you know, just line up a same-game parlay and see what happens. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. My name is Michael Spinella. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Be sure to give him a follow at all Habs on Twitter. Also, give us a follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also check out our website, CanadiansConnection.com. Also, just a little reminder here, hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, however you're listening to us, and that way you'll never miss a single episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. Starting this segment off, the trade deadline is a big talk nowadays. It's coming up pretty soon. We're a little over halfway through February, and uh, you know what? The Plenty of uh, players have come off the board. We've seen a couple big ones in uh, Bo Horvat, uh, recently Ryan O'Reilly as well. But uh, Montreal Canadiens, are they still going to be able to make a splash uh, coming up to this trade deadline? Right now, Joel Edmondson, uh, he's uh, taken a little fall down the trade bait board, or TSN's trade bait board, as well as uh, Sean Monaghan. Currently, Edmondson sits at number 30. Monaghan sits at number 26. And that, I think, has to do with uh, their injuries. So that's certainly not helping uh, teams' interest in them. So these trade uh, bait lists come out once a week from TSN. Uh, when you ca- this one was out on Friday. Uh, when you compare it to the week before, um, Sean Monahan slipped. Um, he was on on uh, February tenth. He was nineteenth uh, on the list. Um, he's now, as you said, slipped to twenty six. Uh, fallen a little bit. Joel Edmondson was number 10, um, and in a week he dropped 20 places to 30. Mm-hmm. And as you said, this is all related to um, their unavailability. Uh, and that quote from Marty St. Louis uh, didn't uh, necessarily um, you know, help that at all, to, although this, this trade board <laughs> was out uh, uh, before that. But um, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't inspire confidence because... Um, I, I think that what we haven't seen Joel Edmondson. We have seen Sean Monaghan um, practicing with his teammates in a no-contact uh, jersey. So that's that's uh, an indication that there, you know, that there's a there's a timeline on the horizon when that's going to be. Um, and the, the other question is: is, is it going to be uh, enough games uh, for Sean Monaghan to prove? Uh, that he can contribute and and that he can play at a level where he is contributing uh, like he was before he went out with injury uh, before teams are ready to ready to pull the trigger on a trade the the values seem to be 
depressed considerably uh, for both of those. And even now, um, you know, it was put out that, uh, well, the Canadians really don't have to trade uh, Joel Edmondson uh, this year. Having another year on his contract, uh, they could uh, they could they could move this all back, kick, kick the can down the road, uh, so to speak, uh, and look to trading him at the next trade deadline. Um, doesn't help, uh, you know, their cap situation uh, necessarily, but, uh, um, you know, maybe it, it's looking less and less and less like uh, Joel Edmondson's going to be in play here for the trade deadline. Yeah, I think we've both suggested that maybe Ken Hughes can be creative when it comes to a Monaghan trade uh, instead of going for a pick. It could be more of a conditional pick, the condition that he gets healthy and comes back and plays or potentially just taking a a marginalized return. But uh, we know that Ken Hughes likes to make a big splash. We know that that he likes to posture quite a bit and he'll wait until the last minute of the trade deadline before – he goes and makes that big trade, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, not looking good for uh, Edmondson and Monahan trades as of right now. And and we should say that that's all subject to to what happened. Looks look what happened in a week negatively uh, because of <laughs> of the the rumors and injury news and whatnot, where both of those players fell. Uh, they they just tumbled right down the board. Um, is it likely that a similar thing they could trend up? Um, it, maybe not likely, but it's possible that that uh, more likely in Monahan's case that he could come back. He could look great for uh, three or four games, and and he has has reinvigorated that market that he had be uh, you know before he he went out with injury. That's possible, and and Canadians fans got to hope that. But uh, we're trying to present uh, kind of both sides here to uh, kind of get folks less. Uh, uh, bring the expectations down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Lebrun uh, did report uh, that there's not a whole lot of interest in Jonathan Drouin, uh, maybe a little interest in, Ev- in Evgeny Dadnov, but not huge return. Uh, not surprising to me, uh, Drouin still looking for his first goal on the season. Uh, Dadnov only four goals and 17 points on the season. So I uh, doubt that we're going to be able to make a big trade with either of those pieces, eh? Um, we're approaching March of 2023. Jonathan Drouin hasn't scored a goal since January 1st of 2022. Um, <laughs> so not only this season, but, um, you know, there's, there's more than a calendar year involved there. Um, that, that LeBron basically, basically said, insinuated the only, the only ones who are asking about, um, Jonathan Duran or the media, uh, he hasn't heard, Duran's name mentioned by any other team. Uh, a little bit different with Dadnoff, um, that he's kind of the the second, third, and fourth choice, that if teams don't get their target, uh, then they'll circle, circle back to Montreal and and uh, check in on uh, Dadnoff, um, you know, closer to trade deadline. Um, that he, uh, LeBron says, maybe Dallas, maybe Winnipeg as as destinations for Dadnov, but not looking at a a very high return uh, there. Uh, I think the same thing would happen to Mike Hoff. Uh, the same would apply to Mike Hoffman, and and um, I think also that you know Kirby Doc is going to play a role in there because Hoffman and Dadnov 
played much better, much, much better when they were mm-hmm. paired with uh, with Kirby Dock. So he might have uh, uh, a say on that and, and when he gets back from, from his illness. So I, I think at this point it's time to manage some expectations. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I think we all had the dream that, uh, you know, you acquire Sean Monaghan with a first-round pick and then you flip Sean Monaghan out at the dead, deadline for a first-round pick. Uh, it's not looking likely right now. Uh, I'm not sure that either Monaghan or Edmondson will end up being traded this season. I still have a little bit of faith in Anderson, but uh, I don't see Anderson on, Anderson on that trade bait board at all. Yeah, and and that's not because of of lack of demand. There's a ton of demand for for Josh Anderson. It's just whether the the Canadians are are willing to let him go at the deadline or or wait till the summer uh, to hopefully involve more teams in in the bidding. Given that there there is so much uh, attention on him, uh, it's it's always this dance about um, you know Kent Hughes wants to wait for more buyers. He said that, uh, uh, you know, a month ago that uh, as as you get closer to uh, the deadline that there will be more uh, buyers involved because uh, of, con- of cap considerations. Um, the other problem, though, and what he didn't mention, is that there are also more sellers as you get closer to the deadline. Uh, LeBron mentioned uh, one of them, that's Nashville. There are... the. There are teams on the bubble, not sure if they're going to um, be a, a buyer or a seller. Uh, Nashville has had some uh, tough luck of, of late. Uh, they may become sellers. And when those teams, those bubble teams become sellers, then they flood the market with uh, with other players and, and uh, you know, uh, values drop. So um, it's a it's it's a difficult calculation and it's it's a, a real gamble um, deciding when, um, when to, 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 uh, pull the trigger on a, on a trade and, and when enough is enough, uh, for the offers, uh, that, that, uh, you've been given. But, um, what we, what we've seen this week is stories everywhere, stories in the, in the French press, uh, a lot of them, um, and, and, um, TSN, all of them are, are talking about, uh, well, it doesn't look like this is going to be the trade deadline for uh, the Montreal Canadiens that uh, was expected. Don't don't think about last year's trade deadline and and put this year's uh, trade deadline in the same kind of category. It's not going to work out that way. Um, and and all of those stories don't happen by accident. Those are leaks. Those are leaks from the Canadians themselves who are trying. Uh, desperately to to manage expectations because they know things that we don't know. Yeah, that is very true. And uh, you know what? You you look at the year that Ken Hughes had uh, at uh, the last trade deadline. Uh, crazy. I, I don't think we can really expect him to be able to repeat that most seasons, uh, but uh, especially not this year. So, like you said, it, we got we have to manage expectations for that. Uh, but uh, another thing that I think is important to do. Uh, when you are the Montreal Canadiens and uh, maybe you don't look around the league too much to see what other teams are up to, I, I think it's important to take a look and uh, maybe compare and contrast uh, another team that's in a very similar situation. And the team we're talking about, uh, like we teased off the top of the show, the Philadelphia Flyers. These two teams are very close in the standings, uh, not too far apart. 
Uh, we know that Martin St. Louis looks up to John Tortorella as a bit of an idol uh, in terms of his coaching. Uh, Marty loved to play for Tortorella. Tortorella currently the head coach for uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, another interesting thing between these two teams, both, uh, I, I guess they're in rebuilds at this point. Uh, they have a lot of big contracts uh, that uh, I think they would both love to move off the books. Uh, so that's another thing there. And uh, Rick, what else can you tell us about these two teams? Well, it's it's fascinating. And, and as you said, they're, they're, um, they're next to each other currently in the overall NHL standings with Philadelphia 25th, the Montreal Canadiens 26th. Um, and, and they are both rebuilding teams, um, and, and, uh, they're going at about going, they're approaching it, uh, a little bit different. Uh, although they both have, um, head coaches who are in their first year, um, managing the, the team, um, but, but coaches who are, uh, very different in terms of experience, uh, but connected, uh, given that they, Marty played for Tortorella, they've coached together, uh, and um, the fact that um, that that Marty St. Louis looks for Tortorella uh, for advice, and and it just so happens uh, that the Canadians, uh, when when they're out on their road trip, will pay a visit to the Flyers on Friday. So um, we thought it was a perfect time to to look at all aspects of both organizations and and compare. Um, and we couldn't think of anyone better uh, to discuss that, uh, to, to, to go through that with than Bill Meltzer. He's a contributor to Flyers.com and a content manager for the Flyers and Alumni Association. And so uh, Amy Johnson uh, will come into the studio and, and uh, we'll have a sit down with Bill Meltzer. Well, if there's one person who we certainly look forward to getting an opportunity and a reason to talk to, it's none other than our good friend Bill Meltzer uh, from uh, from the Flyers, the official NHL contributor for Flyers.NHL.com and also the content manager for the Flyers Alumni Association. And uh, we always enjoy getting to, whether it's in a press box or here uh, behind the microphones, we're always happy to uh, have a conversation with, with Bill because he's just a wealth of knowledge and insight. So, Bill Meltzer, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks, Amy. Hi, Rick. How are both of you doing? We're doing great. And, um, boy, the season has really moved along uh, this year, and, and uh, it's our first time to catch up with you uh, this season. Uh, but it seemed like, a, I think, a perfect opportunity. The Flyers uh, right now are out on a, a Western road, road trip, uh, but they, when they return home to Philadelphia Friday night, uh, they will be hosting the Montreal Canadiens at Wells Fargo, and um, just thought we'd get together and talk about um, how the season has gone for these two teams. There are certainly some parallels, and if we were to look at today's standings, um, you've got the the Flyers in 25th overall in the NHL, uh, 54 points. The Canadians uh, right behind in 26, as my mom would say, side by each together. <laughs> and um, and they've they've each had their 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 roller coasters in in getting there, um, but but they'll have an opportunity to meet for the the second time this season. Three three total in the series. Um, the Canadians will return to uh, Philadelphia at the end of March, which actually happens to be my mom's birthday, so she gets two mentions in. Wow. This- this podcast, yeah, um, but uh, let's let's start the conversation just briefly uh, by going back to that game in uh, November. 
um, where the the Flyers uh, came to to uh, the Bell Center, and uh, you know it it was it was a, a Saturday night November game, um, not not the prettiest played game. It was pretty sloppy overall. But what an, uh, an exciting, thrilling game. Um, Cole Caulfield scored with 1.9 seconds left uh, in the game. Nick Suzuki scored the shootout goal, and the Canadians got a 5-4 win. But it was uh, the two teams came out of the gate just flying. Um, four minutes into the game, three goals scored. Um, it, was, it was just a nutty back-and-forth affair, and it's kind of maybe uh, kind of a preview of how the, the season has has gone. These these two teams kind of play, uh, you know, a pr- pretty loose style at times. Sometimes they can't score. Sometimes uh, uh, they're having trouble at the other end of the night, uh, the ice. Um, and, and I think there are some similarities there. Uh, what What's your impression? Yeah, uh, that, that game back in November, at least that, for that point of year, was kind of a, an aberration game. Um, the Flyers at that point were having a lot of trouble scoring. Um, you know, they, I, that was kind of the beginning of a little bit of a breakout for Owen Tippett, if I recall the game. Uh, Tippett had a couple goals in that game. Oh, that One Mario, scored, that actually, Mario goal, yeah, yeah. He had he had to step in and take a face off. Uh, the center had been been tossed out of the draw, and it was just just shot it right off the drop of the pocket and it went in. Jake um, Allen ha- was, was not so ready. That was, that was incredible. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, he, he may never duplicate that the rest of the <laughs> yeah, You see that every once in a while. You see, you see a guy just shoot the puck out of the drop of the puck and the goalie's not ready. Once in a while he's caught napping, but, you know, pretty unusual play. You don't see a lot of that. Um, as you said, Caulfield in the final two seconds of regulation, Flyers. Uh, it was such a seesaw game, yeah. all game. That's what I remember about it. And uh, I remember also in the shootout, Morgan Frost put the puck up of both posts. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was uh, pretty pretty crazy. Um, but that uh, you know the, the the Flyers this season. I mean, one of the biggest things that John Tortorella has tried to do is he's really been a sticker for trying to implement structure. Now, you, w- you wouldn't know that based on, on um, <laughs> Thursday's game in Seattle. Um, the, I mean, the Flyers were held to one shot in the first period, 10 wow. shots through two periods. It was a, just a brutal, brutal, awful game from a Philadelphia standpoint. I mean, they, they, 11, they lost 6-2. Was it 11-1 to one yeah. in the first period, in the shots? 11-1 in the first period, yeah. And the, the one shot was just a side-angle routine shot they didn't even come close to scoring in that period um pretty disappointing from a philadelphia standpoint because they had just played seattle um an afternoon game on, on super bowl sunday and uh similar similar kind of outcome although the flyers did score first in that particular game but they spent all week talking about how you know, they reviewed tape and they had a they had a, a little break in the schedule after three and four and um Flyers just before that had played a really strong game against Edmonton. Um, you know, they first of all they take a penalty the whole game. They they completely shut down Drysital, and they all but shut down um, you know Connor McDavid in that game. Um, ultimately, they, they won that two to one in the shootout, and that was about one of the best games they played. Um, the two games in Seattle were among among the worst, but it's been it's been just a whole season of. Uh, ups and downs for the team where they're winning early the season. They started out of the gates pretty strong. Um, 
they hit a spell where they had a 10-game winless streak and they really couldn't buy a goal. Um, then in December, they, they went on a stretch of where I think they won eight out of, eight out of 13 games. They had eight out of 12 games, something like that. And um, that and the scoring surge continued even into the middle of January. They were averaging over four goals a game over about 20 games. And now they're in a spell here where they just they cannot buy a goal. Um, Travis Konechny, last night, uh, actually, in, in the Seattle game, the Thursday night, rather, um, he broke a 13-game goal drought and, and uh, only had, like, two, three points in that whole stretch. And he'd been so consistent all season long. He'd been the one guy that could count on. So it's been – it's definitely been interesting. Um, you know, first year of us covering Torts in Philly. Um, <laughs> he's come as advertised. Um but uh, I mean, one one thing is that um, one thing with, with Tortorella is that you know you, you you know that you know what he wants to see. You know what identity he foresees with the team. Um, one thing I can say on the positive side is they've been a much more resilient team. Last, last season, if the Flyers got down one to nothing in the game, they were they were done. They they were done. They mm-hmm. had they had very very low resiliency. Right this year. Um, this year they've been actually a pretty good team when giving up the game's first goal. They've been a much better road team. Again, you can't tell by the last game, but they have. They've have a better record on the road than at home. Um, so, so they're progressing in certain ways, and it's um, there's a lot of players ages 25 and younger, and that, that group of players 22, 23, 24, um, they've been the guys who, for the most part, at least during that stretch in December and January, all stepped up. Dylan uh, Tippett, Cam York. Uh, Frost, those guys—they you know, they were all pretty good during that stretch. And um, since since they've returned from the All Star break, it's been a pretty tough go again. So we'll see. Um, you know, the, we'll see how the rest of the the Western trip goes. And then, as you said, uh, Montreal is actually the last home game the Flyers, only remaining home game the Flyers had in February. So they're gonna have to get have to get it done on the road a little bit if they're gonna. Hang on the periphery here. <laughs> and and on the road, I, I know Amy wants to pick up on the Tortorella, but just before we, we get there, on the road, I, I noticed um, the start times are all over the place for the Flyers this coming week. They have a game at 10 o'clock in Vancouver, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Calgary, 9 o'clock. These are all Eastern times in, in Edmonton uh, yeah. before uh, getting to come back home. Uh, so a bit, uh, you know, uh, unsettled. And then... Uh, what do you think we're going to see for a Friday night game? And it, and it's a back-to-back weekend. Uh, the Flyers uh, head to New Jersey on Saturday. But what do you expect that we're going to see from the Canadians, who have a team that's that's full of uh, injury replacements, and uh, and the Flyers where they are uh, at this point in the season? Well, I think that I think that the Flyers um, they're going to try to get back to showing the kind of structure they showed when things were going better. I mean, one thing the Flyers have done better for the most part in the last few months, again, you, you can't really go by last game. Um, they, they take away the middle of the ice way better defensively. You know, they haven't given up too much, even when they haven't been winning games lately. Um, I, I think that, I, I think that the last game in Montreal was kind of an aberration. I thought, I also thought that when they, they went through that spot where they were scoring, you know, I, I don't think that Torch was as happy with the play as even their winning games that he thought it was sustainable. So, I mean, what the Flyers are going to try to do is they are going to, to try to uh, defend well, 
reestablish a four check. That, that was the other thing too, was that they, um, some of their puck possession stuff, it was getting better over a spell, though lately again, it hasn't been very good recently. So I think they're going to, they're going to try to get back to, to playing the way that Corderell wants them to. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a lower scoring game than the last time that they played. Um, now, the Flyers have run very hot and cold on uh, on the penalty kill this year. The power play was a mess last year. It was actually, depending on how you count the stats, um, you know, the NHL started officially tracking power plays in 77, 78, but they've um, – so based on that, last season was the worst power play season the Flyers had in history. Mm. Um, unofficially, it was the second worst. So you have to go back to their first year of 67, 68. And even then, it was like uh, – 14, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, it was like 12.4% versus 12.6%. So we were, not, we were talking about degrees of struggle. And, and, and incidentally, it's kind of funny looking league-wide where you have teams that are 20th, 22nd, whatever, on the power play, and they're, you know, they're over 20%. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it used to be if you're 20% in the power play, you were comfortably in the top half of the league. Yeah. Um, that's why it's so, it's why it's so imperative in today's NHL that you stay out of the box. Mm-hmm. The power plays, generally speaking, are, are, are pretty darn good. And, uh, you know, the, the years where if you were 82%, you'd be 16th or whatever in the league. Those are gone. If you're 82%, you're comfortably in the top third of the league. Um, so, I mean, one, you know, I, I think that that's a, the discipline piece of it is, is a big part. And it, it, interestingly, I mean, the flyers are, a team that I think leads the NHL in hits. Um, they, have, they have a lot of fights, but they generally stay out of the box in terms of putting themselves shorthanded. Um, not the case last game in, in Seattle, but I, I would expect to also to see a, a relatively low penalty game when they play the Habs. You talked about Tortorella and the effect that he has has had already this this season on the Flyers. And really, when you look at the coaches for both of these teams, they are both in their first full year with their respective teams. John Tortorella for the Flyers, Marty St. Louis for the Montreal Canadiens. However, obviously, at complete opposite ends of the coaching experience spectrum, of course, Fans have, you know, Marty St. Louis is quite beloved in Montreal. He has certainly captured uh, fans' attention and and they're very patient with him, uh, happy to, you know, kind of give him the extra leeway, knowing that he's at kind of the early stages of learning how to be an NHL coach. Um, so my question for you kind of is, is two, twofold here. On the, on the other side of things, how have, from your perspective, how have fans embraced John Tortorella's style, as you you even said in a in a previous uh, sentence a couple minutes ago, he comes as advertised. So, how have the fans in Philly this season responded to to Torts, and and have they embraced him and his style? Um, and also, if you could touch on maybe even a little bit of the fact that uh, John Tortorella played a key role as a as a mentor to Marty St. Louis. Um, in coaching, when when St. Louis was hired, uh, very well advertised that uh, that St. Louis spent a, a good deal of time on the phone on the drive to Montreal after he accepted the position. Sure, um, well, we'll talk about the the second half of that first because that is interesting. Um, I, the Canadian players have uh, you know have toured the to thank or to blame for the way they, the way the tra- <laughs> training camp was with all the conditioning skating. 
that, that Marty did because Turtle's a stickler for it. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of skating in camp on the, the way Torts did it. So he really modeled his training camp on a Tortorella camp. Um, and, and also just, also just in, in terms of, uh, being very demanding, but being, being fair and mm-hmm. being consistent. And I think, I think with Tortorella, you, you know, there's not a ton of surprises. Players, players can't say that they didn't know where they stand or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, uh, you know, every every coach has players that they trust more than others. And, sure. And I do think there are times where Torts' leash for players he doesn't trust as much. It might be the same one mistake, but the guy he doesn't trust as much will, will pay for it, and, and the guy we <laughs> trust will, will, will let it slide. I mean, uh, but you, you, have that, you have that with every coach yes. to a degree. Um, but I, but I think that um, you know I, I think that Tortorella has a very good relationship with a lot of his former players. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, big part of the reason why Tortorella brought to Philadelphia was his relationship uh, with Cam Atkinson, who's unfortunately missed this entire season due yeah. to injury. But no, nobody advocated more strongly for for Torts than than Cam did, and uh, I thought it was interesting in camp where he said, you know, I I had a process with Cam. Torts was saying this that. Early on, they, they, they locked horns a bunch of times. And then they came to understand one another, and Tortorell gained a lot of trust in him over time. And I think that's kind of how Tortorell's relationship with a lot of players has been. Um, I, I can imagine going into, uh, going into Tampa Bay, I don't think Marty was a, what would you call a Torts kind of player. Right? <laughs> Probably he, not. He generally, no. he generally liked to, but, you know, but o- over time, he came to understand, well, I mean, <laughs> Look! Look at his career his accomplishments were as a player, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, I think Torts came to realize that he brings brings a lot to the team, and he might be really small, and he might not be, <laughs> you know, the the guy we bring in to to block shots and and all those other things you associate with Tortorella. But obviously, when you can bring the kind of offense that, that Marty brought, you, know, you, you live with some of that. And and um, the other thing too, and I'm sure Torts explained this to Marty, was you know, Torts said that when he was a young coach. He made the mistake of trying to script entire games, and he said that he would, you know, he would really try to think all three zones, sixty minutes. And he said that, you know, he had big, big notebooks and stuff. And he said it doesn't work. And, and he learned, he learned over time that really doesn't work as a coach. Hmm. You, you react to what's going on that particular night. And, and he said that the NHL is a, is a find a way league. That, uh, you know. Ultimately, obviously, it matters if you get two points as often as possible, or at least one. You know, when when that's what you have to settle for. But mm-hmm. but uh, it really it really it really varies night to night to night. So you can't you can't script the game ahead of time. So I'm, I'm you know that that's an area where Twitterell I think is actually quite generous, where he will if you catch him in the right mood, at least as as, as press, he can actually be pretty expansive on his philosophies of the game and, and uh you know they're very interesting to hear him talk about uh, a lot of days he's like that and then, then there are days um where Twitch just is not in the mood to talk and <laughs> and if he's not in the mood to talk that day the worst thing you can do is really push him on it because yes then the wall really goes up and then, and then it's so I, I think it I think you kind of kind of come to understand one another that way um I think it's still a honeymoon period the answer to the first question you asked for Torts in Philly, um, there's there's a there's a ton of heat on, on management. Um, yeah. Uh, there's there's a ton of there's a lot of fan sentiment 
for uh, for replacing Chuck Fletcher, his general manager. Danny mm-hmm. Breer maybe very well be the Flyers' next guy. So a lot of a lot of the fan displeasure falls on uh, upper management and on the general manager. I, I think the torch, for the most part, uh, is is actually quite popular among the majority of the fan base. So that's uh, you know so. We'll see over time. See two years out, three years out, but but uh, an example of that, um, real fast, is you know a lot of times when you have a game where you lose six to two, the way the, way the Flyers lost um, in Seattle last game, and um, there's a lot of expectation that that in that kind of situation when you lose that badly, that the coach fall, kind of falls on the sword after the game. He goes, you know, you know what? It's my responsibility to have the team ready to play. I didn't do that. It's on me. And, and it really isn't on the coach, but it's but the coach is deflecting the blame to himself, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on behalf of his players. Well, you know, towards some days like that, he, he will say, yeah, you saw the game. You don't, you don't need me. <laughs> so he said last night. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, have nothing, I have nothing I can add that you didn't already say. So, uh, I think that, that kind of honesty is refreshing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is. It, it really is because, you know, he, he doesn't doesn't sugarcoat anything, you know, um, for for good or for bad. Um, I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes he states things that, that come up sounding kind of harsh. Uh, an example being like with Morgan Frost, rather than saying we need him to be more consistent, said Morgan's been up and down like a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I can imagine that Morgan's dad in the Toronto suburbs wasn't thrilled hearing that comparison. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but the player understood. You know what? That's just towards being towards. It, it rolled off of his back. But, that's right. Uh, but it, it, it's that it's that candor and the you know, it's kind of a one of <laughs> one of a kind way of expressing things like that. Um, Which, quite need, frankly, you know, is a very Philly to... style. It, 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 oh, it certainly is. Uh, uh, you think back when Buddy Ryan was the coach of the Eagles. That, mm-hmm. That's the best guy I could like it to. Yes. Um, that uh, you know, he, he will he will absolutely shoot from the hip, and uh, doesn't really care if people like it or don't like it. <laughs> um, it's how he feels about things. So again, I I think I think overall he has you know he has moments where you know he may he may collide with the media. The next the next day there's not really carryover with him. It's not like it's not like he ever intends it as anything personal. Now, Larry Brooks may disagree with that. Well, <laughs> but uh, but but in Philly, I I really don't think there's been any kind of where, where you know becomes any kind of a, a personal difference. Let me ask you about another um, similarity and connection between the Canadians and Flyers uh, this season, and this this one takes place on the roster, and that would be the. Always colorful, usually popular uh, heavyweight Nick Delorier, uh, former Montreal Canadiens player, of course now uh, playing for the Flyers. Uh, the first time that that the teams met this year, uh, we know that uh, young Arbor Jack guy is certainly trying to establish himself as the, in the league as as a as a tough guy as well. And the two of them duked it out. Uh, not sure yet if they'll be able to 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 uh, see each other again next week with uh, Jack guy's injury kind of up in the air right now. But can you just kind of give us an update on on how Nick Delorier is fitting in on the Philadelphia Flyers roster and and how much he has uh, been embraced uh, by the city? Yeah, one of the most uh, respected veterans on the team really understands his role. Um, you know, he knew, he 
he knows when it's time to fight. He knows when it's time to play hockey too. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, really, you know, really a good guy. I, I didn't know him when he was in the Hab system. I didn't really know him when he was in Buffalo, you know, um, a couple of times I was in the, uh, in the visiting room, but I, I don't, I don't recall ever interviewing him. Um, but, but Nick is, Nick is a really good guy. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's one of those don't judge a book by its cover guys because, mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at Nick and, and you know, plays that rough and tough style. You look at him, you know, you see all the tattoos, you see whatever. Like, he's actually, he's actually a, he actually thinks the game like a guy who's going to be a future coach. I really think so. Um, hmm. he, 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 has a, he has a very good understanding uh, of what, of how the roles evolved. He understands that, he understands that if you're going to fight, you, you got to take somebody with you for five. You, you can't take extra penalties. Mm-hmm. He understands there are times and scores where, it's not it's not smart to fight. Somebody might try to somebody might try to goad you, right? That, that that's not when you go. Um, whereas, you know, in in um, the last game, a good example, uh, the Flyers are losing early in the game. It's still within reach at that point, you know. And you're not you're not going to find a bigger guy to go with Jamie Alexiak, <laughs> um, you know. And and so you know, Glory very much wanted that fight, and. Um, you know, now that, that's just a good example of how he knows his role. Now, in that particular case, you know, it, it had a neutral impact. Unfortunately, nobody nobody picked up on it. The uh, <laughs> Flyers' energy was still pretty low, but that's that's what he's there for. I mean, he um, physically strong. You know, he he's not a guy who people who look at underlying numbers, analytics, ever gonna say why is this guy in the NHL? Right? Because he's never gonna be he's never gonna be a numbers guy ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you talk to the guys on the team. They'll tell you that nobody outworks him in practice. Nobody's a better guy in the room. Some a new player comes to the team, along with a guy like Scott Lawton, who's probably the most respected guy in the room. But, mm-hmm. but Delorier is one of the guys who makes sure that guys feel, feel comfortable, they feel welcomed. He's been he's been a nice addition to the team. Now, a, a lot of term on the contract, um, the cap hit. I mean, basically the Flyers gave him almost an identical deal to what Ryan Reeves got a couple of years ago. When Matt Martin got from the Islanders, I mean, that's probably that's what he was looking for as an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a lot of term, um, but I think, but I think just in terms of, of how he's viewed in the room and how respected he is, uh, you know, and, and even even when he actually even when he actually has scored a couple of goals this year, now now but he's in the lineup or whatever, you know, it's like you know this this guy can play a little bit too. So um, yeah, so so you know, nothing but respect for him. Good guy. One of the areas that uh, these two organizations differ is in terms of goaltending. And at this point, it's kind of polar opposite of what the history has been. The, the Flyers have always been, in my mind anyway, the team who's, who's uh, struggled to, to have um, consistent goaltending. And the Canadians are, over the, the, the decades, known for goaltending. At this point, though, um, as Kent Hughes said, the... the, the the goaltender of the future isn't in the organization for the Montreal Canadiens. I know he's walked that back a little bit uh, more recently, but that's where the Flyers, they do have their goaltender of the future. And and Carter Hart, um, I, he's always been very complimentary about um, uh, he, he watching Carey Price and Carey Price being his idol. Um, and it's been a bit of a bumpy road at times uh, in the development, but he's only 24 years old and, um, you know, very respectable 9-11 goals uh, against uh, this 
um, or sorry, a save percentage this season. And um, this week, um, the um, ESPN came out, Greg Wyshynski, with an article. He had surveyed uh, NHL executives, and, and maybe it was a surprise for some, uh, but there at number 10 in the top 10 is Carter Hart as one of, uh, in asking the question, who's the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League right now? Of course, Vasilevsky is at the top, but there's Carter Hart in the top 10. Um, would yeah, you like to talk about I'm him? Surprising. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, Carter, um, Carter's always a very good structural goalie. Played his angles really well, very mm-hmm. technically sound. Uh, um, I think that the number one way that, that Carter's developed as an NHL goalie is that sometimes, sometimes you can't always be structured. You have to come out of your structure, make a, a, a reaction save. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you're starting to see more of Carter's natural athleticism when he, when he, when he has to come out of the structure a little bit mm-hmm. and, and every, every goalie, no matter how mature they might be at 19, 20 years old. And, and of course, Carter had that pedigree of, of, um, three-time Western League goal of the year, twice DHL goalie of the year, you know, goalie for team Canada, winning a world junior gold medal. So he had all the pedigree coming into the pro level, but it, but it's different once you get to the pros. Um, he always had a, a, a an unusual degree of maturity about him, but but you could see sometimes where a, a bad goal or a bad game would throw him off a little bit, and that's that's just normal. That's part of the evolution. Um, uh, yeah, I mean his numbers are, are solid, but really, really they don't do justice for how well and how can how well and how consistently he's played this season, um, and. Also, in the bigger picture, Flyers have depth in goal too. They're they're really high on on uh, Samuel Erson, mm-hmm. um, who's done well in, in kind of limited duty in the NHL. He's the the number one goalie at the AHL level. Um, they're carrying three right now because they don't want to risk waving Felix Sandstrom, but they're really happy about Erson. And they have a goalie in in Russia too, um, Alexei Kolosov, who's only 21, who is one of, if not the best goalies you know, going in the KHL, especially the best young goalies. So they actually do have a really bright future in, in, in depth-wise and goal, but for the foreseeable future, it's definitely Carter Hart's net. And to get to Rick's original point, the, the Flyers' goaltending history has been a funny one because they had a, a long tradition of Vezina and Vezina-caliber goalies, right, Bernie Perrant and uh, Kelly Lindbergh, Lindbergh and Ron yeah. Hextall. Actually, actually, the Flyers are the only – are the only team in only team in NHL history that had three different goalies in three straight years who were who was a Vezina finalist. Hmm. Um, so it was it was Pelly, it was Bob Froze for a year after after Pelly's unfortunate passing, and it was Textile. Um, so really, the, the Flyers were really well set in goal for a long, long time. The fans kind of got spoiled to it, um, <laughs> and yeah, then then there was a long period after that where goaltending was kind of iffy. Um, even you know, but even. Even during the stretch in the 2010s, I thought Steve Mason was a little underrated for a while, um, but uh, but not not you know not an elite goalie, a good goalie, but not an elite goalie. Um, Carter Hart is really the guy who's going to take in Roma for a long time. As you said, only only 24 years old, so that's uh, definitely been been one of the bright spots this season. Um, it was some inconsistency issues a couple of years ago, his second or third full year, so. Yeah, I think that that's been that's been one of the things they've been able to lean on most nights. Even even the game, uh, like last game against Seattle, 
they had to pull him after the fourth goal, but that was really because of the way the team was playing, not not because of him. And you know, you have you have a game like that, and that pulls your save percentage down. But but when he's been given a chance, a reasonable chance of making saves, he makes them. And uh, and and you know, if somebody gets past him, it's not it's not going to rattle him. And that's uh, that's that's so big because a, a team picks up on that too. Uh, I think that's part of why the Flyers have been pretty good facing adversity or better facing adversity this year. If they give up a goal, you know, they can look at that and they see the, you know, hearts ready to make the next save. And I think that's part of, that's part of why the team has been able to, to keep rolling for the most part. Listen, come, coming into this year, I mean, people were predicting the Flyers are going to be right down to the very bottom of the Arizona, you know, teams like that. Um, the way that Anaheim has been this year. And uh, I mean, the Flyers now they're, they're two games under hockey 500, but you know, they were at hockey 500 at the break, and that's that's not great, but certainly it's better than a lot of people predicted. <laughs> so they, they've been they've been generally respectable. Obviously, not a contender, and there's a lot of building still to do. But to me, the biggest part of that starts in that. So we're a couple of weeks uh, away from the March third trade deadline. Um, as I said, both uh, each of these teams is is uh, in a spot where you might consider that they're going to be sellers. The Canadians clearly would like to clear some contracts and move some veterans on and, and get some trade assets. Um, I, uh, where, where do you see the, the Flyers and uh, what they would like to do uh, coming to the trade deadline? I don't, I, they're, they're, they'll be sellers. Um, you know, when we were, Discussing this uh, on the Flyers Daily podcast that, that I do with Jason Martinez on the uh, part of the Flyers website network, um, you know, we, we talked about okay, is there any is there any possible path to where the Flyers might be buyers at the deadline? This is this is at uh, the All Star break when they're in 500 and you know, and in a few wins in a row, then all of a sudden you're five points out or whatever the case might be. Um, and neither of us felt that that was going to be in the offing. The, the most that would happen is maybe rather than selling, if you hold on to a couple of pieces, figuring, yeah, we'll lose them as free agents this summer, but the growth as a team, it might, it might, it might be, it might be worth it. That, that'd be the best. That would have been a best case scenario. Uh, I think they're certainly back in being in seller mode, which I think they tr- truthfully were in anyway. Um, I don't, I don't foresee any huge moves unless somebody blows them away with something. So any kind of bigger move, I think we wait till the off season. But James Van Riemsdyk, um, he's unrestricted this summer. Um, he's good, solid citizen, well liked guy. But I, I think JVR moves on at the deadline. And then other than that, other than that, it's really kind of smaller moves. You know, the uh, if the if there's if there are offers for Patrick Brown, you're talking about a, a later round pick. Maybe he could be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear like the Nick Steeler's name out there, and he has a year to run on his contract. Maybe a Nick Steeler could get moved, but I mean, you're talking you're talking about smaller moves. You're not talking about any kind of blockbusters, or, and certainly the Flyers not bringing any big name guys. Remember, part of it too is I don't know, you know, I don't know a year from now if Danny Briere is going to be the GM, and if they are grooming Danny to be the next GM, you know, and and, and it would be probably Chuck Fletcher doing that, um, you know. Uh, are you going to tie his hands by by adding, you know, adding cap, adding term? When you want the next guy to be the guy who makes the next set of moves, so I really think that anything bigger will wait till after the season. 
but I expect for them. I expect for them to to move a couple pieces, call a, call a few players up from the uh, from the High Valley. They're already got to have a, quite a few young players, but but I think maybe a guy like in uh, Elliot Denoyer may come up and just just see where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Tyson Forster or something like that. But uh, I, I don't see I don't think anything dramatic or earth shaking happening till the off season. And 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 then after that too, you know, it takes two sides to make a trade. And um, just because you want to move somebody or there's somebody you want, you know, it, it has it has to be right. It has to be it has to be right on both sides. And the Flyers have had trouble finding arrangements where the other part too uh, of being in a struggling position is you're dealing from a position of weakness, you know, where, so if other GMs know you have to move somebody, they're not going to make it easy. They're going to try to extract mm-hmm. extra picks out of you, right. prospects, those kind of things. So, you know, the, the stronger the Flyers can stay, the more they can, you know, the more, more they can hover around kind of where they were playing a, a, a couple of weeks ago. I think that that, that aids them in the off season going in. And, and I know, you know, I know, and I'm sure you hear it in Montreal too, they tank for Bedard, right? Yep. <laughs> and I get it, right? I, I really do get it. And I understand the need, you know, the need for top end talent is obviously a necessity. On the flip side though, when all you have is the superstar and nothing around them, mm-hmm. you're still bad team for yeah. a long time. Yep. Look look how long look how long it's taken Edmonton. Yeah, that's right. Just right? gonna say Connor um, McDavid. Connor McDavid has been everything. Everything was hyped to be. Right? Dry has been even more than he was hyped to be. And yet only now are they maybe maybe a contender. Now they're not an inside contender either. That's right. You know? Um so uh, you know, he's he's in year eight. <laughs> and, and even and even Colorado, well, you know, how long did it take how long did it take with McKinnon? McKinnon, McKinnon was the um, first overall pick in the draft in 2013, right? Um, and and uh, Landeskog was the second overall pick in the draft a year earlier, and and Random was a top ten pick. And it wasn't it wasn't until you know it wasn't until years later, you know, that you start putting the defense together, and uh, it it takes a lot of time. the The Colorado rebuild really started in 2008 uh, when, with Duchesne, and they three, four years down the line, they realized, well, we're we're still not getting where we wanted to be, so they kind of tore down their little bit of a rebuild and rebuilt again. And um, look at look at like Buffalo. How many times has Buffalo picked near the top? And and only now are they starting to look like a team that might be ready for the playoffs in the relatively near future. Contender status still still need a lot of things. So you know, or you know, but let, let's suppose let's suppose you do tear everything down to the studs and and you. You know, you, you draft Connor Bedard. Well, you, you know, you know how a, a team with nothing around Bedard would do. Yeah. Um, even at the junior level, it's not like the Regina Pats are tearing the Western League apart. And, <laughs> and, and that's, not, that's not because of Bedard. That's because there aren't enough pieces around them. So you know, they're they're basically a 500 hockey team, and that's that's with one of the best prospects to come around in a long, long time. So you know. Connor Bedard is not going to work any miracles if you do get him. To me, the the way to build is if you can get if you can get a lottery luck, fantastic. But you have you have to keep building a team and, and adding depth wherever wherever you can and and learn building a culture where winning is in what you hope for. It's an expectation. 
those are all things that the Tortorella talks about a lot. Building a culture, and I I agree with him. Building a standard, he he prefers the word standard to culture, and, and uh, with me with that, he's kind of preaching to the choir because while I while I certainly believe strongly in building through the draft and, and with prospects and and building through youth, you really you really need it really takes a mix, and the more pieces you have in place, the more to build around, the better off you are in the long term. And that's what I believe. Well, for our dear friends in Toronto, uh, Austin Matthews hasn't seen the second round of the playoffs yet, so uh, I would just add that in to your uh, list. That's right. Well, you know, all of that, all of that insight, all of the analysis, all of the knowledge uh, that that we just absorbed from from Bill Meltzer, it's exactly the reason why we could just sit and chat with you all day long because you're a wealth of knowledge and uh, you're just... uh, so knowledgeable about uh, the game, about uh, the Flyers organization, and uh, we always enjoy having you on. If you're not following Bill Meltzer already on Twitter, uh, shame on you. You should do that right away. You can find him at Bill Meltzer on Twitter uh, for all things the stalwart uh, uh, information source for all things Philadelphia Flyers. And Bill, it's just been a joy to talk to you again, and we can't thank you enough for uh, for coming on today. Always a pleasure. That was a fun interview. Uh, Bill is uh, a wealth of information. Um, he's one who, who always looks at, around the league uh, and uh, has good knowledge of, of uh, other teams. And as you heard with, which, with e- each of the questions, there was a connection. There was a Canadian's connection, the name of our podcast. <laughs> there was a connection there with, uh, with uh, all of the Flyers' uh, uh, topics. And uh, it, it was fun to to be able to go through that with him. Yeah, big thanks to Bill Meltzer for coming in and chatting with us. And also thanks uh, to Amy Johnson for stepping into the studio and uh, joining that interview as well. Uh, great listen. Uh, I enjoyed listening back to all of that. And uh, it's, it's always interest, interesting when you compare two teams. And I think that's something that we don't do quite enough. So now I think it's a good time to get to our final break here on the Canadians Connection. Uh, Up next, we're going to let our listeners have their say. But first, uh, we're going to hear a new message from Raycon. So stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Hey, friends. You know, this time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time pretty unrealistic. Like, you know, how many of us are really going to stick to that New Year's resolution that we're only going to eat salad for lunch every day this year? I doubt it. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. In the studio, whether I'm recording a podcast, whether I'm working as a voice actor, I have big, heavy studio headphones on for all of those types of things. The great thing about my Raycons is when I just need some casual listening for audio, if I'm working, if I'm writing, doing something like that, and I just want to listen to a podcast uh, like those here at Rocket Sports Radio, or if I just want to listen to some music in the background, My Raycons are wireless, they're small, they fit in my ears perfectly, which is always an issue for me with in-bud earphones, 
So whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycons got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Um, some of the things I love about my Raycons, I love the customizable sound profiles, uh, tap functions on the sides of the earbuds. I love the awareness mode because I don't want to tune out necessarily what's going on around me. So you can turn on awareness mode, which allows some of the ambient sound around you in the room that you're in or where you whatever your environment is to seep in so that you can still hear what's going on around. They're water and sweat resistant. So if you want to use them when you're working out, that's great too. So are you ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Welcome back to episode 231 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also check out the website canadiansconnection.com. And feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. That's 5853-ROCKET. 5853-ROCKET. So, Rick, as we always say, this Montreal Canadiens team always has something going on, and it can be a little bit difficult to keep track of them, eh? Uh, it can be, unless uh, you're always plugged into the Canadians Connection. Uh, and, um, you know, we've been doing this a long time, more than a decade. Uh, we've had podcasts every Saturday afternoon, so you can be sure that if you um, if you check out uh, allhabs.net, if you check out your your app, you're going to find an edition of Canadians Connection every Saturday afternoon, no matter what time of year it is, um, no matter what year it is, uh, we've been around doing this for a long time and we're going to do it for a long time yet. Yeah, and we have plenty of different ways for people to stay up to date. Uh, head over to allhabs.net and you can check out Chris G's weekly notepad as he goes through anything and everything that has happened to the Montreal Canadiens organization at all levels, NHL, AHL, NC, ECHL. Uh, he'll keep you up to date with everything there. Also, our uh, Rocket Sports contributor, Sam Gerber, uh, put out a feature this week, and it's quite timely. It's entitled NHL Trade Deadline Predictions. Make sure you check that out as Sam makes his best guesses as to what's going to happen leading up to the trade deadline. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. Just search at all Habs and you will pull up the Habs Hockey Report. This week on Thursday, Amy Johnson put out a brand new episode entitled Arbor Jacki Out. 
next man up and this one's quite timely as well as we talk about injuries on defense uh amy johnson uh, weighs in and gives her opinion on that so hit that subscribe button to never miss a single episode leave a comment uh, leave a like amy johnson is great at interacting with all her viewers uh every comment she will reply to and uh, if you leave a good enough comment she might even read it on air so put uh, your comments questions and concerns into that comment section and amy johnson will get to it for sure and and just with this week's episode you know you m- might have to you you may have have, have uh, waited until saturday to find out that Corey schooneman was uh, going to be in the lineup and and going to be recalled from laval um, and and officially done by by the Canadians. Or if you listened, if you watched uh, the video, Next Man Up, uh, on Thursday when it came out, you had a pretty good idea that was going to happen anyways because <laughs> uh, Amy told you that, that it was likely uh, that Corey Schooneman was going to be the next person recalled. And if you can't get enough of Amy Johnson content, well, make sure you subscribe to The Press Zone. Uh, You can check that out at thepresszone.fm. That comes out weekly on Tuesdays, and that's your inside source for the Laval Rocket and everything Habs prospects. Uh, We also have Patrick Williams on the team, who's kind of an AHL guru. He can give you all the news from around the AHL league. And, of course, uh, Rick Stevens likes to chime into that one as well. And on the note of Rick Stevens, if uh, you can't get enough of his content, uh, like he said right at the top, Canadians Connection, subscribe to that. It comes out every single Saturday. If you like what you're listening to today, hit that subscribe button now. Also check out uh, CanadiansConnection.fm. We have all the episodes up there. So if you have any catching up to do, anything you will, any uh, Saturday morning that you want to listen, that's where you're going to be able to find all the podcasts. So our Canadians Connection question of the week as we turn it over to our listeners is, do you think that Kent Hughes will still make a big splash at the trade deadline day? Uh, We want to hear from you. Uh, Like we said, uh, reach out to us via the Rocket Sports text line 5853 Rocket. Let us know your thoughts. You can also head over to our Facebook page. And uh, Rick, what's going on over on our Facebook page? Always lots of discussion over there. uh, Facebook.com slash allhabs. Always a great discussion, and mostly what folks are talking about there right now is injury replacements and the young defense corps and lots of good comments about Jordan Harris this week. Yeah, and it's going to be a busy week coming up. Uh, Weekly, we decided to implement a brand new segment here, and we're going to title this week Sam versus Cole. Uh, Two of our contributors who help out with the game day previews, uh, Sam Gerber and Cole Uzenic, have given us our predictions for every Habs game coming up over the next week. And uh, Rick, how have they been doing so far? Well, last week, uh, these are are the folks, Cole and Sam, who um, help prepare the game previews so they take a look at both the Canadians and uh, their opposition. Um, so they they know these teams pretty well. Uh, Sam did pretty well. Uh, he got two of the picks um, uh, out of the four games. And uh, Cole, a little bit better, three out of the four games. He predicted uh, the winner uh, correctly. That was uh, Montreal-Edmonton, Montreal-Chicago, and Montreal-Carolina. Uh, so our guys are doing uh, pretty well uh, when it comes to the weekly predictions. 
And uh, here's what they have coming up for this week. And uh, just looking at it, I can tell they're both very optimistic about the next few games. Uh, starting off on February the 18th, Montreal and Toronto. Sam Gerber is predicting a 6-2 to two Leaf win. And, uh, well, Cole is predicting a 5-3 to three Leaf win. So yeah, kind of similar predictions there. Uh, a couple days later on the 21st, when Montreal heads into New Jersey, uh, Sam is predicting a 5-3 Devils win. Whereas, or sorry, Cole is predicting a 5 no, it is Sam predicting a 5-3 Devils win and uh, Cole predicting a 6-2 Devils win. So they seem to be on the same page still. Uh, and then uh, a couple days later, on the 24th of February, Montreal and Philadelphia. We're all very excited about this game. And uh, Sam is predicting a 4-1 Flyers win, whereas Cole is predicting a 3-2 Canadians win. So don't blame me for the predictions. Uh, blame Sam and Cole for those uh, very optimistic predictions. <laughs> and we want to hear your predictions as well. So uh, uh, send us a message. Uh, tell us how you think that the Canadians are going to do this upcoming week. Uh, all the way till that Friday night game uh, at Wells Fargo in Philadelphia. So are you ready for pr- for puck drop? Read all our complete previews every game day at allhabs.net. Uh, another important thing coming up this week on Monday, it's a family day for most of Canada and it's also President's Day in the U.S. So seems like everyone gets a day off except for those of us here in Quebec like me. <laughs> so listen to podcasts. How about listening it- to podcasts on Monday? Exactly. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Subscribe to the Canadians Connection in the player on your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you heard, give us a share on social media. Enjoy your week. We'll be back here next week, February the 25th for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here in Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.